It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another installment of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. It is based on the book. It is based on the book that is in hardcover paperback audio book and steve tours the country speaking to the people big speaking engagement coming up on friday my ted talk you got your coming big, on. do you know what ted ted talk stands for i still don't know what is ted you know what uh, i was actually I'm, fooling around with the concept that i would start mm-hmm. my talk with mm-hmm. hey who the hell is ted right who is this guy <laughs> i don't know right i know what an ama <laughs> is amas ask me anything i don't know okay. what a ted but congratulations regardless Thank you. It, it is a benchmark for speakers because mm-hmm. you have to be invited to do it so mm-hmm. i'm pretty thrilled I'm excited uh, to share my congratulations. My, my Thanks. Yeah, it's cool. I'm well, nervous. Uh, One of the first times. But you should that be I've nervous. That, you know, this is another level. This is you know, once it's done, it's done. It'll be mm-hmm. shared. Hopefully, lots of times. You should so, be nervous. So if okay. you're not nervous, it means you don't care enough. I've been practicing. Um, uh, Shay, how many times have we redone the presentation? Well, you'll get it right. You got one shot. No pressure. One you got shot, one chance. One shot. This what, is it. Like Rex Ryan used to say, "Whatever you do, don't p- 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 panic." <laughs> Uh, speaking of football, we have a special guest who rejoins yeah. us today, someone you've known since day one. And by day one, I mean the moment that he entered this world because would, he is your son, Mark. That would be correct. And today is his 33rd birthday. 33rd birthday. Correct. First of all, happy birthday, young man. Thank you. I appreciate and it. And second of all, congratulations on 90 days, three full months within ESPN West Palm as you transition from the world of college football into the world of grown-ups that have <laughs> legitimate stationary, my stuff lives here, this is my home, I'm not on a plane 17 days a week like you normally were. Um, you've learned a lot in your last 90 days. I have, yeah. including the fact that like digital audio is where you want to be. So I'm glad to be on a podcast and branding myself on a podcast. And not it's just, so important. Not just a podcast, your old the man's podcast. podcast. Well, to think... It's actually, you know, it's actually a popcast. Is that your podcast? It's a popcast. Today's podcast is a podcast. Well done. Check that. That's it. I'm a, I'm a branding guy. I like that. I'm, I'm a creator. Uh, to think that we would be able to spend his birthday together... Uh, knowing that when he was in football was a non-can-do. Mm-hmm. They were stuck in practice and yeah. doing whatever. And then to think that he's here, he's working, he lives a, a block from me, and is on the podcast, I'm in awe. Life talking about good. sales. Life is good. And talking, talking, about about sales. Sales. talking about sales. And by the way, this is a little something that Dad knows about. So, obviously, when you are the son of Steve Nudelberg, there's a little bit of pressure that comes with that. There's a reputation that comes with that. I'm reminded my middle sister is a superstar athlete who started varsity on eighth grade for the high school. She was above and beyond. I'm a little guy. I'm a lacrosse guy. It was going to be my ticket out. He said, no, no, you got to play football. The head football coach was also her coach in softball and said, no, no, you're going to be our quarterback. Meanwhile, I'm five foot nothing, 105 (laughs) pounds, and I'm soaking wet. But there's that pressure of, no, no, no. No, no, you're following a great, so I know you have this in you. Oh, yeah. So, so, I'm so, Steve's son a lot. Right. So you're you, Steve, you, A lot of time, you're in a crowd, you know, hey, I'm Mark Noodleberg. Oh, you're Steve's son. No, no, right. no, I'm Mark Noodleberg. Right. So, you have to, you're, so, so, you're, so you're, you're, you're creating your own identity, but also comes with a reputation of, but doesn't that kind of qualify you? Are you pre-qualified because you are Steve's son? 
I think there's an expectation. I think people people walk in with an expectation of you're going to have energy, you're going to deliver, you're going to show up in the room the way he does, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciate, you know, because I try to live up to that standard everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, part of what I've learned in the 90 days is that this is a relationship game, 100% a relationship game. Steve, the book talks about relationships, the creation of relationships, and I think it's more important to go beyond creation but maintenance of the relationship. So when you let some because it's easy to yeah. get the girl to go out with you once, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then you know you go out and then you marry her, and then maybe you don't look at her, think of her, or treat her the way that you did when you wanted her to go out with you, and then that's when things start to stray. People don't spend enough time beyond the creation but in the maintenance of making the other aspects of the relationship feel important. I think where we've wound up in the sales culture is that people just have no patience. Correct. So playing the long game and understanding that this relationship may not explode day one, Mm -hmm. but you need to nurture it just like you would, you know, this, you know, the, the parallels to doing something in a garden, you know, you got to water the seeds and, you know, it's an old adage, but it, it really is so true because the expectation a lot of times is, hey, get in the sales and start making sales. Well, if you get in the sales and you start making relationships, relationships lead to sales, and that's a really difficult thing for people to either understand and or, to your point, understand how to do practice. How do I do it? What do I do? do And the mindset is often, okay, well, deal's done. They call about closing a deal. No, no, no. That shouldn't be viewed as closing a deal. That should be get, viewed as opening a deal, opening a partnership, opening wow, a relationship. Wow, look at you. Right? I mean, otherwise you're taking for granted. If you're in sales, you're like, I got this check signed. Well, no, that's day one. That's not the, you know what I'm saying? The mentality must shift to be successful, particularly, and you're probably learning this as you go. Yeah. I mean, we talk about that at Good Karma, that that's, you know, you don't close a deal. You open Good Karma the, being you, the Good Karma brands, the company that, that, that ESPN employs West me, ESPN Correct. West Palm. Right. Um, but you open the deal, you know, you open the partnership right. and the partnership is to help this business grow. So I think to be in a place where branding is still very relevant, mm-hmm. you know, what we offer as as far as ESPN in a place where you can get scale and you can do it in a safe environment, like all of those things I really believe in. Mm-hmm. And I prove that I believe in that by doing it myself and branding myself on social, which is different, I think, in a world of sales than it was Correct. 20, 30 years ago, where it was harder to nurture a lot of relationships at one time. Mm-hmm. I can produce mass relationships at scale right now just by putting out there daily what I'm doing. But but you pops, you always talk about authenticity. The need for it's one of the chapters in the 27 rules. Authentic always wins. Inauthentic you know, uh, you fails. Know, for him, I think he has a competitive advantage because, and we're having a blast talking about this on a daily basis. The parallels to football, mm-hmm. the game of football, the parallels to coaching. And the parallels to sales are all in the same relevant conversation. Sure and if you listen to a lot of the comments that guys are making, coaches are making, they could be intertwined and it could be one speaking to a sales staff, one speaking to a football staff. A lot of things about culture, a lot of things about mindset, mm-hmm. a lot of things about preparation that you would never, you know, no, just show up and throw up and start selling, no. you know, it's not going to happen. A lot of top football coaches, if they weren't top football coaches, they'd be running major automotive groups or they'd be senators and congressmen. They have that ability. That So you should probably give a little background on your on your coaching career prior to when you moved over to this side um, so people have an understanding of, um, you know, what it is you did, recruiting coordination, 
uh, going out and getting guys like Roberto Aguayo, the most accurate kicker in ACC history, to agree to go to Florida State. Just play golf. So, so that's yeah. you. That's you selling a program. That's you selling a university. That's you selling these young men that have dreams of the NFL to buy into what it is you can produce. And so when getting into sales and everybody's like, "Oh, you're in sales now," and it has such like a, a just a stigma. To it does. It. It's not. And when you're a coach, you're not. You're, yes, you're selling, mm-hmm. but you're educating. And we had this conversation when I was on the podcast originally. It's not selling anybody on anything. It's educating people about what you have that can help them either grow their business or grow their life or yeah. change their life or get a college degree or, or whatever. Not help them. Or, 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 the or, right, or find just out might that, you know what, this doesn't really work for right. us. What we offer doesn't really work for you. But it, in that process of educating people about what you do, and the only way you could educate anybody on anything is be an expert on what you do mm-hmm. and what you know. So I think that all of that ties into... See, you and I, you know, we're not far apart in age. But then again, your pops and I, we're not far apart in age. So I'm almost kind of tug of war, almost in the middle of y'all. And, <laughs> we're and both going to kick your ass. We're <laughs> both going to kick my ass. But, but when you, you know, you and I feel the same way about the word sales. I'm in sales. There is an emotional response. It does elicit and evoke an emotional response. Yeah. And dad, you know, you've had to come to terms with this because we've talked about nobody wants to be sold. And I see you cringe a little bit. I watch your body language every time I say it. Nobody wants, excuse me, sir, walking through the mall. Excuse me, sir, can I see you for a second? Oh, I hate that. Right, because nobody wants to be sold. Don't touch me. But what you want is someone that you know, like, or trust to tell you, hey, I got a better way for you guys to get to that restaurant. I got a better, do do this, this is the vacation, I'm telling you, without having any agenda. So so what's really interesting about that takeaway is that Mark comes to the sales world fairly clean slate, you know, white canvas True. doesn't have any negative habits yet. Right, right. So his whole take on it from watching me reading the book, being part of this dialogue was, hey, I'm just going to go out and make sure everybody knows who I am. Mm-hmm. Very, very similar roadmap to what I did in the beginning, thinking the more people that knew me, no matter what the tools you have to do that, but the more people that knew me, that would create the more opportunity. And that's really what the game is mm. of territory mm-hmm. more than anything else. And that is as simple as you can put branding, like however far back in teaching marketing and advertising that you want to go back, that is branding. Mm-hmm. It's creating awareness. And Gary Vee is making a, a astronomical amount of money. Gary Vanderchuk. Teach, Gary Vanderchuk talking about these things when all he's talking about is creating awareness of who you are. That's he, it. Yeah, he's just kind of Captain Common Sense. It's, who's got the balls to tell people what it is they need to hear. And maybe in, relevant, exactly. in an aggressive, relevant For way sure. that I think people are either turned on to or turned off. And that's part of the magic is that he doesn't give a shit whether you care or not. I've listened to the guy on social media. I've seen some of his stuff. And all I do is go, preach on, brother. Yeah. Right. I haven't had an aha moment. I haven't, right. had a, I haven't had a ooh, but I've never heard anyone speak that literally has been reading, as we say in the NFL or in football, been reading your mail. Yep. Like, you know the play. Like, yep. I, I know that you guys are running this right. way. <laughs> he, he's been reading my mail, which means either I'm really smart or he's not as smart as he seems because we think the same way. Um, but there's a need for people to recognize this is what it is now. And the idea of I'm in sales, you're 33 as of today. It feels different than when your dad was 33 and said, I'm in sales. People, it was, oh, well, well yeah, yeah hey you're now. a go-getter. You're, you're a someone, guy. You're, someone, a... you're someone to know. And now right. sales is like, oh, please don't bother me. Exactly. Right. The, exactly. The, the words have changed regardless, but the, the work ethic hasn't. And so in my travels, all the teams that I'm working with, and that's why I want your perspective of this, you know, I'm dealing with people who have done this a long time who are not recognizing the change. They're still stuck to the way they used to do it. Are they not recognizing or are they resisting it? 
Uh, I think I, I think a little bit Probably of both. Yeah, both. I, I think there's that. a little bit of both. I think there's because you can say it, not want to like, do I, it. I don't get it. I don't understand. But when I show them real time that I have business that's inbound, mm-hmm. they're only used to outbound, and that's what sales was. I'm gonna interrupt your day to mm-hmm. talk to you about what I want to sell you. Yeah, that day is over. That window has closed. Now it's hey, I just want to be me, be out there. Let you know who I am so that when the opportunity exists that you might need my services, I'm one of the people you choose. Mm. That is a mm. spectacular way to market. Mm-hmm. Now, I wasn't a genius. I fell into that when we were in the phone business. Mm-hmm. I just said, listen, I just want to be one of the three choices. So I want it to be everywhere. Right. And we did it in the more traditional ways. We did some TV. We did some radio. Mm-hmm. That was the time when the brand mattered Mm -hmm. i took a little piece of that away with me being on the radio and noodleberg was such a what do you mean that's when the brand matters does the brand not matter now it matters in the second part of the conversation so people are led to i think the person first so they're led to mark and once they've met mark and know him oh mark what do you do oh you work with espn oh you know maybe there's something we can do together or maybe there's somebody i can introduce you to um the, the logo on the door does not get you, um, mm. does not advance you. Mm. It's you that advances you. I, I happen to agree. That's only because, like, you th- like, I was so excited about going to work for ESPN because I was walking around with the Alabama A on my chest. Now. Mm-hmm. You know, the best logo the in the business. Brand. That's the, right. Premier the brand. Premier, premier brand. What, what I found out is that it scares a lot of people. Number one, they immediately assume that all you want to talk to them about is TV advertising. Right. And they immediately assume that they can't afford to do any kind of business with you. Right. So, like, it was actually reversed of, like, oh, wait a minute. I got to kind of overcome this a little bit, and I got to kind of create a conversation about, hey, who are you? What do you do? You know what? I have a lot of ways that I can help you, and it happens to be with the number one brand in the world when Mm -hmm. it comes to sports. Hmm. That's a whole different conversation than knocking on the door and saying, I'd like to talk to you about ESPN. Because so, most people go, no, so, I don't want so, it. So it's Mark Nudelberg's brand first as a gateway, as a conduit. Everybody. As an ambassador in front of the ESPN brand is what you're saying. Th- this is one of the cool things about him jumping into the landscape now versus even five years ago. Because five years ago, this personal branding message was just starting to happen where the individual, who you are, what you say, mm-hmm. who you say it to, how often you say it, what you wear when you're saying all of those things matter because, and I, I told him this when he got started, think about the last time you bought something from somebody you didn't like. Mm-hmm. And everybody stops for a second, and that would be never. Well, you know what happens when you're in a store, and they just happen to work there, but you're not buying a car or a house or a major purchase from someone that you don't like because Correct. you don't get that far in the conversation. You may be in the mall and need a dress shirt and you pop into Macy's and the person behind the counter you don't care for, but guess what? You need the shirt and that's that. But I would never go back. But no, not for that person. That's not your guy. That's not your girl. That's Correct. not your person. So we had our friend Bob Goldfarb over this morning. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we got uh, He's your tailor. suited up, right? as you will, you know, and I, I believe that's a part of our brand is wearing great blazers, but we had the conversation with him that we could buy from anybody. This is a zillion people doing custom clothing. Yep. The experience of how and what it is to work with him, I've known Bob for 25, maybe 35 years. I don't, you know, wow. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, I know him, I like him, and I trust him, you know? So 
uh, the you minute, got a guy. The, right. Yeah. Well, so, oh, that's such a great line. Because in the old day, everybody had a guy. Hey, I need tires. I got a guy. I got a guy. Hey, I, you know, I need a butcher. I need the guy. I got a guy. I got a gal. I got a... Well, that is the world we're living in now. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that Gary is bringing to the forefront. And he just has a very large stage to tell it. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is so simple. You be the guy. If you become the guy, for whatever reason, if you love food and you provide value to people about food, yep. whatever else you do for a living, you're their guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. So most of us get our guy because someone we know, like, and trust referred us. Correct. Yep. And that's the difference in sales. It's become, you becoming the guy because, hey, I know that guy, Mark. I like that guy. He's got some solutions in marketing and in advertising, in which folks are seeing return on investment. Well, and I think that personal branding is different than company branding. Of course Whereas it is. you're trying to brand your business, there are different ways. There's digital, there's traditional, there's all the different ways to do it. When it's personal, it's digital because mm-hmm. you have to be on social. You have to be putting that message out there socially, but it's also person to person. It's activity. I'm out. I go to as many networking events as I can get to. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm looking to do business with everybody there, yeah. because I'm trying to have everybody in the room know who I am and right. what I do. And Period. you know them and That's you know the their story. Right, right. exactly. So that works. And you, you see that turn. It's a struggle in the beginning. When, when the first 30, 60 days showing up to event after event and not knowing anybody mm-hmm. and having to shake hands and trying to all like you felt like you're swimming up river right. you know and you are. all of a sudden you are. You but are. then all of a sudden you go to that one event 90 days later whatever it is however many days it takes you but that one event you walk in and half the room knows who you are and like mm-hmm. oh man now you're hitting everybody a second time you're now you're progress. creating yeah which is where most people bail is that they won't put in the work they don't you know this is all about reps i talked about it in my daily huddle this morning mm-hmm. you have to put in the reps there's no, you know, massive action equals massive results always. So what I'm curious with you is having jumped from, you know, the football profession into sales, what are things that you thought would take place that aren't or what are the things that let you down or, or is there anything in your head that said, wow, I thought this would have been, but it's not? Personally, the, 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 the negative part of the rejection, mm-hmm. people really hype that. I don't know that people really know what being rejected in coaching is like. <laughs> I don't really know. Like, they probably I, know. I don't you think know. people really know what it's like to get fired or to lose a game and know that you worked six days for right. that one thing, right. and that thing's gone. So you're saying— I can get a no on a cold call. Yeah. I can have—I can literally say— Hey, tell me something good. And they could tell me to go F off and right. hang up the phone on me. <laughs> right. cool. I can make another call right now. I can get that rep back. Yeah. In football, that rep's not coming back. Right. That a, game is gone. You are right. 0-1 for the rest of the week. Right. Or you're 0-2. Tennessee's dealing with it. Like They're my 0-2 Jets. for the rest of the week. Well, the Jets, man. That, that, so, but, it, but it's the mentality. It, but it is a mentality. You ha- you do have to have thick so skin. So you fear you going in. Soft. You fear going in that you were going to struggle with this rejection. It was going to affect you emotionally and your performance and mentally. And you're saying Psh, on to the next one, next man up. If you have that mentality, but you're you have saying to have you, didn't that know, mentality. you didn't know. You didn't know. I thought did. it was gonna be worse. You I thought it was gonna be worse. You didn't really know did. you did. And turns out you have that. Yeah. What could be worse could be the way around. I think for me, right? Yes. I think the managing my own personal time to become an expert on something mm-hmm. has been different because when you're in football you're at the office all day every day you don't have a choice you I mean you people don't realize choice, that you should probably elaborate on you, that they, you're, think you're, show, they think you show up and play a game on saturday at 3 30 in the afternoon 
You play that game at 3.30 in the afternoon on Saturday. You go home at 6.30, right? You're at the office the next day at 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 in the morning. On a Sunday, Sunday. breaking down the tape from the game, grading it until 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night. And you're you're moving from grading the previous, finding the problems, fixing the problems, watching the next opponent, getting a base game plan done so you can do that Monday through Wednesday in order to feel like you know exactly what you're supposed to do on Saturday to beat this team. It's a uh, it's a 90-hour work week. So it's hard, to, work. it's hard to be in the social world where it's like, all right, well, networking is considered working, right? I mean, it's one letter away from not working, but it's, sure, but it's sure, you know, and it counts also, as working. Yeah, work, work is a network. So, so I'm out and I'm doing all that. So that counts as working. But then I get home at, say, I get home at seven thirty, football time. I got another three hours of work that I would put in. Mm-hmm. I'd be watching tape. I'd be putting together scouting reports. So managing, like, well, what should I be doing on social right now, or should I just turn on the Netflix and watch what's new? You know what I mean? Should I watch the session for three hours? Well, Dad, let's talk about that out. because you know there's got to be balance. I mean, you at some point, I'm sure, got burned out. You probably found that I'm working not as efficiently or as smart as I could. I'm just working for the sake of working. I know I did. I know that I got to a point. I'm like, why am I doing all this prep? Why the people just want to be educated, informed, entertained, and keep it simple, stupid. So for me, speaking, you know, from experience, I, I someone told me early on in my career, do what you love and the money will follow. Mm-hmm. I love the hunt. I love the hunt more than I like the do. Yeah. You know, once I get it. You know, I got it. I put it on my car. (laughs) Somebody can clean this up. I want to go. I want to go get another one. So I think the hard part for most sales cultures is to find the ones who are willing to hunt, the ones who are willing to go out there and deal with no, no, no. Okay. You know, willing to say to an existing opportunity on the line, hey, dude, shit will go off the pot. I don't care. Mm -hmm. But most people are so invested in someone saying yes to them that they give up all their leverage. And so for, for me, I love prospecting. I think the number one thing that salespeople need to be great at is prospecting. Prospecting happens all the time. So, you know, when I'm at home, Michelle and I are hanging out, the computer's open and I'm drilling into this and drilling into this and I'm pulling names off and I'm... Because you love it. I love it. It is not like, oh shit, I have to go mm-hmm. prospect. Mm-hmm. I try and help people understand that if they get that mindset which you and i share that to a certain degree which i love seeing it he's like i'm going home i'm i got two hours worth of shit i want to get i want to get into yeah that's what makes you great and you know what when you look at the greatest athletes they're the ones michael jordan when the practice was over kept practicing. stayed kobe right. bryant stayed Correct. got there early left you know it wasn't oh shit i gotta go practice like Allen iverson I said, no, man. I, I think that's the interesting part about sales, though, is that those guys that you're talking about that are great at their sport, that they're great at one thing. Like, that's their niche. Like, <laughs> they're going to shoot the ball for right. when To be great at sales, you got to know a lot of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you, I, I don't think you necessarily, obviously, you have to be an expert at what you do, what your, what your product whatever or your service is, whatever agree. your lane is, but you better be well versed in conversation across the board and what's happening in the world because that's going to open up more conversations but, but with you. But that's the skill set that athletes have, that you know, tempo, that cadence, everything about being on the court, you know, situational awareness. All those same, same things apply to being great in sales. But you know, Michael Jordan was a great you know, go-to-the-basket guy. There are salespeople good at different things. If you are great at prospecting and you fill your pipeline and manage it properly – 
you will be great in sales. I was fortunate. I was in Tampa yesterday with uh, one of our, our big training clients, and we're talking about a national training program for them. And the guy asked me, he goes, so what's your secret? Like, what, like well, how do you do what you do? There's all these kind of training programs. I said one word. And the guy, I mean, he, he like stood up like, what do you mean one word? I go, process. Whatever it is, if you create a process and you stick to it and you consistently do it every day, what tends to happen to salespeople is they are random about how they do stuff. I feel good. I'll do it. Mm. Oh, I feel like shit today. I'm just going to skate through it. Mm. I won a deal, right? I can eat. I, I can just go get fat. You know, do you know when lions hunt? when they're full right you know so that is not a sales mentality Salespeople nail a big deal and coast for the rest of the month it's not for everyone it's but you know what if you're going to be great at something understanding what greatness is i think is key and that's what i've tried to do in the book and i've tried to do with you and it's fun for me to watch you because i don't think you're struggling at all i was just curious to hear if there were things that were you know you know, anomalies are like, wow, you know, this is, this is something that's bothering me that I didn't think would, or, you know, something. No, I mean, I think, I think it is about, for me, it's about managing like what is good activity versus what is just activity, because you can say that you're, you're, you're busy, but is it, is it really good busy? Like, are you really doing something that's worth your time? Busy for the sake of busy. Are you, are you, you start, at some point you get to a point where you meet a lot of people want to meet with you, or hopefully you get to a point where a lot of people, and then you have to start deciphering, well, what is the most valuable meeting that I can get right now? Like (laughs) I can't fit everybody into that time slot. So having the the keen eye or the sense of understanding this is more valuable than this and making the choices to Go to this networking. And event how are you honing other, those skills? How are you honing those skills? Honestly, trial and error. But as a coach, it feels like play calling. Correct. You're trying this and you're trying Correct. that. It's, you're, it's the beginning of camp. It's, right. you, it's your it's your training days. Right. Your hard knocks mm-hmm. where you're going in with your install of plays. Right. And you find out that you don't really run these plays really well. So I'm not going to really run those anymore. But you can be in love with a play. It's not effective. At some point, you got to let go of that play. Right. This is not working. So I'll ask you the question this way. Is it easier or harder than you thought it would be to be in sales? It's easier, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah. I, I'm a relationship guy, and yeah. I don't think it's that way for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't like going out. I enjoy you know going easy? to a networking happy hour, meeting everybody in the you know room. Why I enjoy easy? doing those you know things. Why, you know why you think it's easy for you? Because I was raised underneath well, him. There's, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, there's, there's that too, but, but your grandfather was in shoes, yep. right? You're not, you're not selling shoes to the housewife. Right. Like your grandfather, Stan, was the man back in the day. Because you believe in what you're selling, because you believe in the brand, because also you true. see the intrinsic value for the partners that you are developing. You're not seeing it as sucker, signed, sealed, delivered, paycheck from me. You're seeing it as this person's going to invest in what I'm telling and recommending and consulting them. They're going to make more money this year. They're going to love me and be happy that I turn them on to it. And it's interesting because I get to educate people about something that I've learned about that I actually like, that I believe in. So as I've been learning it, it's turned on the ignition of like, oh, wow, I really like all this well, stuff. If you're a coach, and now you're a I teacher. get to turn around and get to give it to somebody else and teach right. them about what I've learned. And so then, and then if they don't want it, good. I don't care. I know so, what we have is very valuable. And I know it will help your business if you're willing to and use it it's not over for a everybody. certain amount of time. If you hit three out of every ten times in baseball, Hall you're fame. in Hall right. of Fame. Hall of you fame. know, you're not going to sell everybody. Just be friends with everybody. The The interesting thing is I think for some people, sales is their last stop. They're like, 
well, I'll, I'll just go into sales, you know, and it's, they don't view it as a profession. They don't view it as, I, well, I went to seven years of school mm-hmm. to become a doctor because I wanted to help people. Uh, interestingly enough, and I talk about this in, in my, my speeches, is that, you know, the word sales comes from a Scandinavian word, which means serve. Right. So somewhere along the line, people forgot that this is a service business. I'm here to service you. And that doesn't mean, you know, when you're in the restaurant, if I'm serving you going, hey, you got to have today's special. No, that means what do you want? But How you can know I what? make it? How can I, you know? I, I've, been, I've been two places in the last week, and, and they understand that sales comes from serve. Chick-fil-A. Oh, unreal. <laughs> They're the top. And Louis Vuitton. Yeah. And you think on the spectrum, one sold me a sandwich for $3.17, and the other one sold me a sweater for $2,000. And both of them understand that sales is serve, and they both have passion. And in the one location, they're making $12 an hour. And in the other, they're making as much as they can on their commission. So, right? so what you probably know is that Chick-fil-A brought in Ritz-Carlton to actually educate them on a service culture. Mm. So, and they, about that? they remove the word uh, thank you and all of that. Every time you're at a, you interact with a Chick-fil-A employee, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. You know, I have people I hear go, oh, no problem. Who said it was a problem? No, no problem. <laughs> not your welcome. It's not my, right. You my know? pleasure. My pleasure. And as a matter. culture, you know, I was at the concert and they had an outlet, you know, one a little booth. Peter Frampton? At Peter Frampton. Frampton comes alive. <laughs> he was not alive. Frampton, <laughs> Frampton almost came alive. But, but, but they had a Chick-fil-A booth there and the guys that were at manning the Chick-fil-A booth, yeah. same culture. Which has is to be. really, impo- you know, incredible. Because you represent the brand. The right. brand is the Which brand. I, is the brand. Well, you want to go to Chick-fil-A for your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> Take me with you. Mark, congratulations on 90 days within ESPN West Palm on beginning a 34th year of life and of what it appears to be making your old man proud that you get it and you continue to learn and you continue to want to learn and you don't know everything. I bet there was a point in his life where he knew everything. Well, <laughs> you know what? For me, I'm starting to hear, hey, you're Mark's dad? <laughs> and, and how great is that? And how great is that? And how great is like, that? holy shit, yeah. look at that. And how great is that? It's really amazing. Happy birthday, young man. Thank you. I appreciate it. This was a fast 30 minutes once again. Super Woo! fast 30 minutes. Steve, why don't we, uh, as we head out on this episode 78, why don't we share, as we always do, something good and put a bow on There's this something one good. Us. We're going to go to our favorite steakhouse tonight and celebrate, which is... Like I said, it's a, a you know a, a, just a, a thrill for me. We're going to go to Abe and Louie's in Boca, and we'll uh, throw back a few. Uh, Shout out to Lou, right, and Lou and Joni. And Joni, you guys are have been great. I love working with them, and we're going to have uh, a really nice dinner. We're going to share some good family time. We're going to tell some sales stories, and uh, that is really good. What and a then, time to be alive! You know, what a time to be alive! And then I'm going to take you guys down to my favorite steakhouse, NYY Steak. Inside Seminole Casino. Oh, yeah. I've eaten there before. Are we all doing seafood, live reads now? Listen, yeah. Seafood Tower. We're going to we're gonna go to my favorite steakhouse after to celebrate for the next go-around. NYY Steak. There's only for your birthday. Let's go on your birthday. Of course. Uh, there's I'll buy, too. Yankee Stadium. Now you're talking. Yankee Stadium, <laughs> Manhattan, and then here at uh, Seminole Casino. Coconut it's Creek. great. We, we love it there. If you've never had the, um, their house-made bacon... It's like pork belly. You go, boy. And it drips over a pan of homemade cornbread. Have you had the bacon? I don't think your talent fee applies to the podcast, dude. <laughs> Do I owe you right? Are they paying me? <laughs> this is where authenticity. No commercials on this. this is where authenticity rules. I love it. And reigns. And this is where y'all learn from me. It's it. integrating the real passion where mm. people aren't being sold. That's it's no read. That's no ad. That's me going. That's my joint. I love that I love place. It. I do. It, no, no question about it. And everybody has their favorites, but you know we love the service. You know the people, and 
you know, when you find a home, it's like cheers. I completely understand. I was with a very wealthy man over the course of the weekend. We're talking about Vegas hotels. He says, when I go to Vegas, he says, I don't want that. He goes, I want my ass kissed. <laughs> and service, service. Right? 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 Service and you know what it is? So, and we'll close it with this. It's the expectation of that service that people are willing to pay for. Right. Like, he knows he's getting it. Right. That's why he was talking about a month before he went. Mm-hmm. When people go to, hey, I'm going to stay at the Ritz this weekend. You know, they talk about it a week before. And they better deliver. And they right. better deliver. People don't talk about it. I'm going to stay at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> Steve, want to do it again? Want to want to try for 7-9? Oh, we got a really seven? good one next week after my TED Talk. Stephen Fleischer from Two Degrees will be here. Oh, great. So uh, we'll have some fun talking to him. Nice. And be some good, good entrepreneurial happy, stuff. Happy birthday once again to young Thank Mark you. Noodleberg. Thank you, guys. Young Nudes. Uh, for Steve Noodleberg, Josh Cohen, reminding you. Uh, well, first of all, thanking you to, for listening, and we'll catch you next time for number 79 on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.